Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. King Bogey is moving yeah. court. Oh, shoot. It's time. What's going on? Yes, yeah, so it's time for him to... Um, to leave the nest, um, and that that is taking into account the fact he's been dead for more than two years. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm actually uh, sending him as a gift um, to someone. <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> you're sending a you're sending a, a Gobi corpse. Yeah, I barreled into this news without realizing quite how unhinged it sounds, but. <laughs> Uh, there's uh, have you you ever seen like old Warhammer art um, that's very 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 sort of scratchy and deranged and has loads of pipes coming out of everyone? I know that's not narrowing it down because that's all <laughs> old Warhammer art, but there's a, a very famous artist um, called John Blanche um, who the. Uh, basically did a lot of the imagery uh, for it as I was growing up. Um, I've ended yep. up sort of knowing him, um, and he's been a bit poorly recently, and so a mutual friend was getting together sort of little things to cheer him up, and knowing what I know about the guy, I thought more than anything else in the world, of anything I could give him... Uh, an embalmed fish carcass with a story to go with it would actually be an appropriate gift. So, yeah, we'll see if that okay. holds up. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll maybe that'll inspire him, and we'll see some some Warhammer art with I don't know a Chaos Space Marine with a suspiciously goby shaped helmet and a load of pipes coming out of it. That's the dream. I I yeah. don't do anything without secret hope of self advancement, <laughs> and that's the world I want to see. <laughs> I, I guess it's also a counterpoint to the idea that you shouldn't meet your heroes. You should meet your heroes, and you should send them dead fish as a sign of friendship. Welcome, listener, to Season t- 2, Episode 42 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in the opinion of a sadly absent Alice Bell. Still, the pod must continue, so today I'm your host, James Archer, and I'm joined by Nate Crowley. How are you, Nate? I'm very well. I'm ready to send Alice any number of fish carcasses um, <laughs> to to help her feel better. Just have, just, is your garden just like all... It's just like a thin veneer of grass over stacks of fish boxes. This is it, yeah. I'm, I'm gradually turning my entire house into um, a sentimental goby farm. <laughs> How are you doing, James? What? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, what, what's the? Sorry, I don't want to. <laughs> let me just like stick on this, just out of curiosity. Like, what's the lifespan of a goby? That's a good question. Um, it depends. Um, because they can deal with water temperatures that are quite extreme, um, that they basically hitch their metabolism to it. So if you raise gobies in cold water, you could get three to five years out of them. But if you're raising them at 50 degrees centigrade, um, you you know, they're probably going to get through the whole life cycle in a year. Um, okay. And yeah, also as, as King Bogey taught me, they get quite fighty uh, sometimes. So natural no, lifespan often doesn't reduce, come into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're not uh, Methuselahs by any by any count. Yeah, that's probably why you've got so many dead ones. Uh, <laughs> well, speak, speak, speaking of, well, when I say sadly absent, Alice, Alice is fine. Like she's just a bit ill. Um, 
she is, uh, as far as I know, still alive. Unlike the main topic of discussion for today, E3. Good. So, as was widely reported Tuesday night, uh, the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, announced that after two decades, its E3 conference has officially and permanently ended. This follows an attempt earlier this year in association with Comic-Con and EGX organizers Readbop, who, for disclosure, also own RPS, at least for the time being, um, an attempt by them to bring back the once-annual live show after previous disruptions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. That attempt, of course, very famously failed, and now several months later, the ESA have decided to pull the plug entirely. That is it. There'll be no more E-freeze. In a statement to the Washington Post, ESA President and CEO Stanley Pierre-Louis said, We know it's difficult to say goodbye to such a beloved event, but it's the right thing to do given the new opportunities our industry has to reach fans and partners. Adding that companies now have access to consumers and to business relations through a variety of means, including their own individual showcases. Now, Nate, immediate gut reaction. E3 is dead. How do you feel? Nothing. <laughs> it's, I, I, I have very limited experience professionally with E3. Um, I started writing for RPS in 2019. Um, and in fact, I started in one month before E3, pretty much. So I got to cover it once. And then obviously, everything went tits up the next year. And, you know, it was. Well, I think pretty much actually from 2020, I don't think there was anyone who thought it would survive very long. Um, so I didn't get my hopes up. Um, okay. And then before I sort of covered it professionally, I think the thing is I've always been a really... Um, I've always been very bad at getting excited about things that aren't out yet. Um, so I was never okay. the kind of person to pay too much attention. Okay, E3. Yeah, E3 is not, <laughs> not the event for you. But um, I do understand, I know a lot of people had a lot more experiences it, w- with it than me. So I get, you know, I get the, the end of an institution thing, but I suppose I had no skin in the game. So it's just interesting. Okay, yeah. I, like, I, I never covered it professionally at all. Um, but I... There were there were times when I'd like have I guess watch parties with like my friends and just enjoy it as a punter. Yeah, I can get um, that. But then not even like I don't know. Maybe enjoy isn't the right word because most of, most of like the pleasure of watching that was like in the the social aspect that we created by ourselves, not so much the you know the watching of trailers and the maybe like sometimes slightly overdone uh, stage shows. Oh no, I totally so, get you because the. The appeal for me very much. I remember uh, when I did cover it, it was, yeah, we're all up all night doing it on the, um, we had like, on the work slack, uh, people were, were constantly roasting, um, you know, stuff that was going on. And it was, yeah, there was, there was a lot of shared purpose there. So I imagine a watch party. Yeah, I can totally get why that would be a laugh. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, like, um, if we're honest, like all of the E3 like most of the E three moments that live on in people's minds the most are just memes, yeah, <laughs> or, or gaffs like your, your giant enemy crabs and the caffeine guy who always hosted Ubisoft conferences, <laughs> or Keanu Reeves. I think Keanu Reeves telling an audience member they're breathtaking. I think that was E three, um, but like it's hard to, but it's hard to recall there being specific moments from E three that were good, like <laughs> unironically. Yeah, that's that's um, well put. Yeah. I, initially, I initially thought that, I initially thought the Skyrim reveal back in 2010 was one, just in terms of like excitement. But I looked up, and that was that was actually the 2010 Spike Video Game Awards. Uh, so Interesting. Have, so we can't even have that. Um, yeah, or, or games marketing events just melding together in my mind. But this is that's that's quite a salient point though, because it it just shows. I mean, you know, but. As as we know, pretty much the reason this is happening is everyone does their own shows now, and they'll all obviously continue yeah. to happen. So, really, is it not as if E three is like some gelatinous alien creature that has burst uh, to reveal several <laughs> indistinguishable genetic siblings? It 
maybe. I mean, that the so what I, what I liked about E three was uh, like the sense of occasion. Yeah, because it was kind of like it was it was big. Like it was enough of a singular event that it stood out from you know just the the background radiation of you know, press releases or like the occasional new trailer that come out that comes out you know throughout the year. Mm. But at the same time, it wasn't all like so hyper compressed that like it felt rushed or that like games didn't necessarily get their due mm. um which is we we'll, we'll probably talk about the uh, like the competing events in a moment but yeah stuff like the game awards or summer games fest they're basically just like three hour shows and they just crush so much stuff together that it doesn't really feel like a big event or like definitely not as big as big an event as i think its organizers think it is well um, yeah it's the, the sensation is kind of like being strapped to a wall and having a huge cardboard tube full of brightly colored plastic objects with the word epic written on them <laughs> and then a sort of a, a you know a low-powered gunpowder wand, sh- wand shoved in the back so it fires it all in your face yeah it's just not a nice experience no it's just exhausting <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's like the difference between just a one-off gig and like a festival. Um, E3 felt E3 had like a bit of a festival atmosphere, like at its best. Um, so I'll miss that. But yeah, it's so no like no particularly good or bad memories from E3, Nate. Um, nothing. Nothing. I would. I would say has has a lasting magic. No, yeah. like you. You know, there's lots of. I think that Keanu Reeves moment probably was the high watermark, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that, that, that was that was nice. That's just like a nice personable moment. Which, uh, yeah, let's you know, I think we can all agree that was the the single delicious berry that the entire monstrous shrub uh, was <laughs> was there to to produce. Um, but no, no, I think um, I think I'm good. I do have a question for you though. Yeah, shoot. So if we were to if we were to clear the whole of the ground um, of games marketing events like this, if everything was to fall to the wayside, and inexplicably we had the power, like the creators of the Gregorian calendar, <laughs> to make our own like annual events calendar for the games industry. Um, yeah. and it had to serve no commercial purpose. It was I really like what you said about a sense of you know, sense of occasion, right? What what yeah. events would you build into your gaming calendar just okay. uh, for the right kind of hype? Ooh. Um, I think I probably would have something, like, broadly similar to old E3 in, in, in terms of it being, like, a week or a couple of weeks where there's just, like, a series of big, like, meaty showcases. It'd be like um, the shape of very expensive games to come would be the theme, right? So it's your showcase. It's it's a, your big preview event, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those. Um, another one separately, like not at the same time, so they're not competing. One separately for you know, I guess smaller stuff. Yes. Um, I I I know there's like been improvement in that in terms of like in like there are more like indie game indie game shows, but they tend to be either like at the same time as the big shows or as and the, this this is a problem with the game was like demoted to like warm up yes the warm up acts um and that's not fun um yeah they kind of think of it like a, a wrestling card don't they with all the you know the, the like lighter weight and mid card guys first before everything focuses on two enormous men yeah <laughs> um i actually i actually think there's we could have a, like a better um awards show as well except it wouldn't be i i don't think we should like copy something like the oscars or the emmys and just have it all in one night i think it could be more of like um i don't know kind of like a mini series almost where you have like a few a few awards like each night for like five nights of a week Hmm. um and you know if you want to do trailers as well because that's let's be honest probably the only way people are really going to watch it like you're going to have those but it's not all just smushed into this, yeah, like three hour. So, I've I've got a format plump. for you there. Okay. Yeah. So 
you do indeed do five nights of awards, but the awards ceremony takes the uh, takes the form of an abandoned pizzeria um, with <laughs> Jeff Keeley <laughs> as night watchman, and there are several like horrible like self aware robots in the building, all of which want to reach like Jeff and scream the name of the game that's won the award in his face, frightening him very much. Uh, and so over the it's it's a five day live stream of Jeff Keeley being haunted by these robots uh, that want to tell him the awards, and you would call it the Game Awards. <laughs> <laughs> that could be good. What about like yeah, right. um, you know, what if we take some of the drama behind real annual calendar events uh, and and infuse that into games? So Easter, for example, like celebrates okay. the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, you get to have a good roast meal. Um, there's lots of imagery about eggs and rabbits. Uh, so I'm thinking there's inevitably a massive franchise which is laying dormant and gets rebooted every year. So like you could theme Easter around that. <laughs> like a major publisher could book out, like you call it, I don't know, like Beaster or whatever. And... It would be... Beaster. <laughs> yes. Sponsored by Monster Energy. <laughs> yes, yes. And on the Friday, they would destroy all, like, extant copies of the current, like, like big game in the franchise in their warehouse. And then on the Sunday, the sequel or the reboot would be released and everyone would have a huge meal of roast lamb and there'd be choirs. And I think that would be a great way... Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's Beast of Sunday, Sundays. <laughs> Actually, uh, no, could... if you just always had that, because Halo even has monks singing and is like massively popular in the Bible Belt. So it's already kind of got the Christian connection. You could very easily like co opt the entire festival of Easter to be about a new Halo game, I think. <laughs> but I don't suggest it. I don't. <laughs> what 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 other holidays we could could we do? Um, Halloween. I, I mean, get games already do like oh it's Halloween. Like you always get like a horror game releasing Halloween, don't you? But this is it. If you then codify that, um, you know, and again, make it one one horror games gets to be the game on Halloween. Okay. I don't know. I, I think I want... what I'm actually proposing is auctioning off time to companies. And I'm not sure I'm politically into that. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> This is how we overcome the, the over commercialization of games by, <laughs> by s- selling time. <laughs> Just go full Ferengi level hypercapitalist <laughs> bullshit on it, yeah. <laughs> uh, get, Going back to to Jeff, because yeah. um, if you if you ask Jeff, he will tell you that the Game Awards and the Summer Games Fest are both designed to do basically E three but better. Mm. Um, like he put out, he put out a statement um, earlier this year when like Reed Pop announced they were cancelling their E three that said like, "Well, I'm very, I'm very, you know I'm very sad for your loss, but you know the Game Awards, the, the Game Fest is designed to be like the future." Um, <laughs> So, but at the same time, like other than maybe being more like compressed, he's never fully elaborated on why they're better. Um, but the fact remains, E3 is dead. Jeff events live on. Like, is that an adequate replacement? Because it doesn't feel like it. My understanding of Jeff is really patchy. Because I thought, I okay, I thought he was like. Let's go for for an ancient Roman analogy here. Like, if you, I, I saw him sort of appearing at all of these events and being referred to a lot, and I thought he was like, you know, no, I can't yeah. go for Roman analogy. I was just thinking about Rome too hard to actually actually talk about the truth. No, I kept seeing him thinking <laughs> he was like a product of the machine. You know that he was hired to to do this. I didn't realize it was his own thing. So no, I, he's like the, he's like the engine of the machine. Yeah, that's it. And he kept on running after the machine fell apart. 
um, you know, like a an engine carrying on out of the bonnet of a clown car and taking on a life <laughs> on the road of its own. So I don't really, like... I don't understand his skin in the game. Does he personally own the game awards and and how does he afford that? I mean I don't I don't know if he is um the owner. He's definitely like the operator. Mm. Um he he is the host. He does like most of the pre like pre show marketing hype himself. Um I imagine like he's involved to some extent in like the the choice of the games. Partly because he <laughs> He he very often like gets celebrities or like famous game developers up on stage, and you can tell he is just like dying to be friends with them. Well, yeah, or, that's like, the thing. The guy seems legitimately really excited about what he does. Yeah, it's it it's hard it's hard to tell. Like I I, oh, I can't remember who I can't remember which site did it, but some a, a game site did like um a profile of Jeff Keighley once, mm. and they're. People he's worked with in the past said like he's a bit of an enigma, and that he he does seem to be like genuinely passionate about games, but at the same time there's this like maybe more self promotional side to him. I um, would really like to play um, a game with him. Which game? Oh no! Now, hmm. I think it <laughs> it takes two. What about Desperados 3? Take it in turns. Whenever one of us loses a life, the other one has to. You want to play Life or Level with Jeff Keighley? I really do, yeah. Because I think... <laughs> and I, I would ask all the questions while it was his turn. Louis Theroux should come up with that as an actually. <laughs> it's very good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think... You don't, yeah, I, the reason I say that is I'd want to watch how he actually interacts with a game. Yeah, because I've only ever seen him being excited about the potential of a game existing in the future. That is, that's a very good point, actually. Um, what if that's where his passion is? When you sit him down in the game, he's like, "Yes, yeah, all right." <laughs> <laughs> he, oh man, it does it does bother me a bit that E three was public, like the the very public death of E three came less than a week after maybe the worst. Game Awards I've seen, like, oh yeah, was... I didn't watch it, but this was for um, for my benefit. Was that the one with something about cutting things short? Yeah, so because there's so because there are so many game trailers and so many awards, um, only like a few awards actually had the winners go up and make like an acceptance speech, and they had like I can't remember like either thirty seconds or a minute to do their speech, and if if they were like beginning to overrun, there was a bit there was like a massive screen like above the audience, so the cameras can't see it, but the people on stage can see it. And if it if it starts to get like a bit, if they're like a- approaching the end of their time, then <laughs> the words like "please wrap it up" oh. would would appear on screen. And if they keep talking after that, then they just play like the music. Gruesome. In- in place of you know the the shepherd's hook emerging <laughs> from the right and pulling pulling them off, this was like I don't know if this was like maybe in response to last year in which um, Christopher Judge, who plays Kratos in God of War, um, did a very long speech, something like seven minutes. Wow. Um, and yeah, they, they <laughs> I think they were just like at first laying in roll of it, and then eventually they were just like, we need to move on. Let's play some music. So he gets the message, um, and then this year it was just like way. Like brutally enforced with the, you know, the screens and the like, the music that plays much sooner. Um, it it kind of like came came to a head during the Baldur's Gate Free Game of the Year acceptance speech, where I think the developers were paying tribute to um, like a former, like someone who worked on the game and had recently passed away, and yet they were still playing like the stop talking music over that. Ooh. So yeah, very uh, very grim. Um, so yeah, like, but but even like besides the like genuinely nasty stuff like that, it was just like the <sighs> the announcements weren't that great. There were so many awards that they just like sk- not not skipped over them, but just like rapid fire announced the winners, which was just like Jeff doing a piece to camera, like not allowing like games like like categories like best RPG, best sports game, like you'd think these are big deals, and then they just like. 
gloss over them as a as a group of five like simultaneous award announcements. Um, so it's not a very good award show. It's not a particularly good game show. Um, there was a there was an Alan Wake two musical performance. Uh, I can get behind that, which was genuinely excellent. Um, but yeah, everything about it was just like, well, not good, not good. For the second time in as many podcasts I've been on, allow me to share a little bit of um, business warlock insight because um, I I've actually run a few award shows. Um, really. Yeah, um, some really horrific ones, actually, um, <laughs> including ones for the debt collection industry, um, which is, that's an, that's an award show you'll never voluntarily choose to be involved in, but <clears throat> we all have to do things for money. Um, and the problem with all of the award shows that I, um, I yeah, I wasn't an, uh, an event manager, I was a, a a trade journalist who got involved in in all of this, so it's definitely not where I come from. But what we found with every single award show uh, was there was a massive pressure to increase the number of awards because, um, and I don't know how it would work, what the deals are with with the game awards, but for us, every awards category had a sponsor, and the more awards categories there were, the more yeah. sponsors. Um, could be brought on board and the more nominees could be convinced to buy tables to you know to to end yes. up there on the night yes um, i al- i also i also know what you're talking about because i when i worked on computer shopper magazine we had the computer shopper awards mm. and and we had we had the exact same issue like people like people not wanting to come unless they won the award yeah and and so you end up with and my goodness the amount of judging panels I chaired and solely attempted to turn away from being a sell-off of awards categories. <laughs> like, you know, that's the thing. You know, award shows, and again, I don't, I, you know, I'm not saying it, it will be a 100% transferable model, but in my experience, award shows are under constant pressure to dilute the value of the awards they're giving. Mm. Um, you know, in order to make the show bigger and faster and contain more stuff that can be sponsored. Um, do you know how it works commercially with the Game Awards? What the sponsorship situation is there? I mean, I don't think... Um, I don't think the actual awards are sponsored. It's not like... Um, it's not like you get the game, the, game, the game of the Year sponsored by EA. You don't get Best Strategy Game sponsored by Paradox. Um, or even... <coughs> or, 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 or even, like vested like outside interests like you know energy drinks or game chair makers and stuff like that um i <sighs> see that surprises me because yeah, i like, don't know I it don't would know. seem especially if it's no longer being run by publishers but being run by is it just like is it just like the super bowl halftime show where it's just you have to pay so much money to put your trailer in the show that they just they just get all the money from that I, I can. That would be my presumption, yeah. Um, but then you know that kind of. Okay, so I suppose the pressure acting on that them there is the number of people willing to pay to put trailers in. Yeah. But even which, that, which expect- which does track because there's like because there's a lot of bloody trailers, mate. Yeah. Oh man, so many trailers. Well, that yeah, that's got to be it then. But then you have to wonder. Um, because at the Game Awards, they're interspersing the trailers with the the awards, right? Yeah, rather than vice versa. It is primarily a trailer show. I I think someone counted up that during, like, the course of, like, the three-and-a-half-hour show, about 38 minutes was spent on awards. Wow. Oh, well, that's your answer, then. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a really interesting stat. (laughs) Oh, which is... it's a shame. I, I I definitely think there is space in the industry for like a proper award show because it is nice. Even if like you don't care about winning like the shiny bauble per se, it is nice to just do recognition of good games after they come out. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the problem here. Or this is this is the the reason all these problems arise is because every industry does want an award ceremony. It is a wonderful thing to have. It is the correct thing to do. Like to recognize people's, 
you know, passion and sacrifice uh, outside of mere, you know, sales figures. Like, it, it's a great idea, but the problem is, because it's a great idea, yeah, it inevitably happens in a way where commercial pressures are entirely pushing it in another direction. Um, you know, whether it becomes a you know, list of sponsor, sponsoring companies or it becomes bloated with trailers, I think, you know, the only truly great award show would have to be non-profit making and who's going to do that yeah um, so, certainly not jeff yeah it's a bit bit yeah. sad it's a bit sad yeah, it is sad i don't think we have the solution to it right and- in with your suggestions <laughs> <laughs> uh on on that slightly depressing note uh should we talk about what we've been playing this week yeah let's do a bit of that <laughs> I've, I played, for the couple of days that it was available, the Tribes Free Rivals Alpha playlist. Playtest, play sorry. Oh, okay. Tell me um, about that. So this is, is it, this is not so much a sequel to Tribes 2 as it is to Tribes Ascend. Um, it's being developed by Prophecy Games, which began as a subsidiary of Hi-Rez, mm. who, who made Tribes Ascend. Uh, and it was a very nice surprise when it was announced because uh, I, and I think a lot of most old tribes players thought that the whole series was just dead um so i was super duper keen to get into the playtest and get my hands on it as soon as possible and it it kind of has a spine um of another like really good tribes game uh it was really nice to once again be doing that um i think these days people call it tiny wings style hill sliding where you you know you go down a hill you build up momentum you slide up the next hill so on and so forth until you're going really, really fast. Mm. Um, that's you know that's in there, and that that's that always feels really good when you pull it off. Um, and I think the finished game could be like really good as well, but it could definitely do with some changes. Uh, so one is team sizes. So by default, um, a capture the flag game in Tribes Three Rivals is five versus five, which is one third the size uh, of a standard game of Tribes Ascend. Uh, despite the maps being like of comparable size, what so is Tribes bit... Ascend? I, I I've not come across it. Tribes Ascend. It was um. It came out in 2012. Um. It was. It's like a. It's like a first. It's like a comp first person shooter. Mm. Um. Where people don't run around. They like slide. <laughs> they slide around with like jetpacks, and you can basically t- turn off um your ability to feel friction. So as long as you have momentum. Um, yes okay yeah, uh, yeah you just you just sit side around and shoot explosive frisbees at each other um, yes while, cap- while capping flags uh which is my favorite part um <laughs> so yeah it's like much smaller teams than tribes ascend despite the maps being like very still like quite big so it feels a bit too quiet at the moment and maybe a bit too stretched out mm. um like i like i love being like the team's flag capper in tribes like being the super fast skinny little dude who doesn't do any damage and dies very easily but can zip around at 200 kilometers an hour always a uh, for, the, for the sole purpose of stealing bits of fabric on sticks but in a 5v5 um i very often feel like i'm being dragged off to do like base defense or play in the midfield just because there aren't there aren't enough teammates to, <laughs> to adequately cover everything so you do have to you know call call off call off the attack sometimes to go fill in elsewhere um which just doesn't yeah i I think it's better when you have a big team with a lot of moving parts and a lot of people doing like different roles uh which is hard to do in like such a small small squads uh the second thing is it's just a bit slower than tribes ascend Mm. like the your your own physical movement is slower it like it feels much harder to pick up like really really high speeds by skiing down mountains and it's harder to get up there in the first place because your jetpack uses much more energy than it did in ascent so everyone is just kind of like spluttering (laughs) spluttering around around a bit um when when tribes tribes is all about like unless you're a 100 defensive class it's all about going fast like you have to you have to you know keep your speeds up or you will lose um it is the self-proclaimed world's fastest FPS. No. Um, so yeah, more speed, please. All, yeah, all that said, like I'm not overly worried um, because it is still very early days. Like that was an alpha. Um, it was the playtest was for the for the actual purpose of 
you know, getting feedback. Um, and prophecy games do seem open to making changes. Um, like they're they're very keen on like encouraging people to join the Discord and give feedback and talk amongst themselves and whatever. Um, and I think the changes I'd like to see would be quite easy to implement as well. Um, like they've they already have like twelve v twelves in the playlist. They were just in a <coughs> in a air quotes custom custom lobby mode rather than it being the main one that you queue for when you boot up the game. Um, so yeah, just bigger teams, buff jetpacks, and I think those would just go miles towards making Tribes 3 feel better and more exciting. It's funny, actually, as you've been saying that, I've been realising for the first time <clears throat> that my enjoyment of a multiplayer game is almost always directly inversely proportional to the team size, because the smaller the team, the more chance my level of skill will matter. That's a good point. Like, I'm thinking of the multiplayer games I've absolutely loved. Um, and I think it probably peaked for me with uh, the original Star Wars Battlefront, which was just cracking because it was like 30, what, 32 aside? Something like that. And you yeah. could just grab an X-Wing and make a mistake. Yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> I've just realised now I really, really like, like, <laughs> very big teams. <laughs> well... No, normally, normally I'm kind of the opposite. Cause I like to feel like my contributions are making an impact, mm. and that were you know, like materially contributed to winning. Um, but yeah, at the, at the same time, it is a balance because if you, you know, if it's just small all the time, and like, it, it feels like it's trying to be an intimate game, but just on a massive map, which doesn't, I I don't think it works unless unless you're like maybe playing like super high-end competitive with like a full team of five versus a full team of five and everyone's on mic and everyone's taking it very seriously and everyone's communicating like that might be you know that 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 might be you know a way people enjoy it in the same way that people enjoy like playing highlander mode yeah in team fortress 2 um which which i've done and is fun but i also but i also like playing you know modded 16 versus 16 servers and Fortitude, where it's just pure chaos. Um, so yeah, it's. Mm, I think twelve v twelve would be a good, is is a good size for this kind of game. So when's it going to be out? Uh, I don't think there's a release date. Um, it was just like it was just announced earlier this month, uh, I believe, or maybe like late November. Um, and they've just done like the alpha play test, so it's going to be minimum like a few months. I, they might. They may or may not do early access. I can't remember if they said they would, but um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a while. So I think there's like reason to be optimistic, even if I have spent most of this session complaining about it. <laughs> That's our job. Yeah. Uh, what have you been playing, Nate? A few things. Yeah, I went back to um, Darkest Dungeon two. Um, yeah. Because I saw that like it it really hadn't grabbed me when it came out, um, and. Yeah, there's quite a lot's changed about it now. There's DLC. Um, unfortunately, the, the problem before, you know, as uh, arguably to some extent with Darkest Dungeon 1, comes when you get into the mid-game grind. Um, so I'm very much enjoying the early game again, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. I love Darkest Dungeon 1 a lot and was kind of shocked the sequel didn't grab me in the same way. So I'm, I'm happy to I remember you saying, yeah. 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 Um, what else? Oh, Rogue Trader is out now, of course. Um, so, funnily enough, I was at, uh, in Nottingham at the weekend. Uh, the sort of Black Library authors had a, a get-together, um, and uh, Rogue Trader was being spoken of highly, and no one in the room had actually written dialogue for it, I think, so it was an unbiased opinion. Uh, oh, wow. So. Yeah, I've installed that now, and actually that's probably going to be my little treat for today, once we're done with recording. Nice. It's a, it's a it's a it's a big old treat, as, mm. as I understand it. I've not played it, but it's a well. It'll be it'll be interesting. It's a big old game because, like, I really I respect Alcat's approach. Um, I actually um, I put a fair amount of time into their last Pathfinder one, whose title escapes me. It's the one where you're like leader of the Devil Army. Very good. Um, and it was it was interesting because eventually the it was just too much for me. Um, just like really? too much detail. Um, 
And I thought the storytelling was excellent. Like, it was very engaging. Um, they were very creative with it, like bolting big systems onto it. But I think it will be interesting to see that approach in a setting that I'm legitimately obsessed with. Because um, I think it, it, yeah. it might actually make it an even better experience for me. So I'm I'm quietly really hopeful about it. But next week I will, I will let you know how the egg has cracked and slid down <laughs> my throat. Oh, Lovely, image. please do. I, 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 so I haven't played it. I, I did read a good piece by um our news editor Edwin about Road Trader about how picking like the the neutral dialogue option is actually like relatively interesting in this game because ev- everyone you meet is like a screaming lunatic for <laughs> yeah. for one side or the other. So pl- d- doing what is normally like the safe option and head, you know trying to hedge your bets a bit can actually be like potentially dangerous because you know you might accidentally commit heresy. Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> a universe where you want to be moderate about anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like go into every situation turned up to eleven and you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I liked I liked Edwin's um he's doing a review in process, isn't he? A uh, review yeah. in progress even. Which I think is a really good idea for a game that big. And um yeah, I uh I actually read read this piece before I decided to press buy, so Rock, paper, yeah. shotgun for all your PC gaming rock, paper, needs. Rockpapershotgun.com <laughs> Also on Rock, paper, shotgun, you can find hardware coverage. Oh, look at this a- devil. <laughs> and <laughs> soon, probably next week, uh, I'll have my Lenovo Legion Go review up, finally. Um, hey. I, I, I said last week um, I'd give my Legion Go opinion now and then ideally would never talk about it again because i feel like every third hardware section i do on this podcast is about the Lenovo legion go it's okay uh, it can become like the the fourth beetle <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm here to tell you that it is pretty good it's definitely a cool idea uh with the like the detachable like N- nintendo switch style controllers one of which has a mouse built into it that's very cool and actually works quite well but I don't think I'd buy one. Um, because as unique and interesting as the mouse controller is, and like as big and sharp as a display is, it still has the same problem as the Asus Rug Ally, in that the Windows like Windows eleven just feels horrible <laughs> on a little on like a little handheld that you mostly control with thumbsticks. Um even like so, the Legion Go does have a touchpad, which the Rog Ally doesn't have. Um, but even with that, like it's just it's too fiddly to navigate, and you get other Windows PC bullshit like games not launching in the right window size. And yeah, like the Steam Deck has compatibility issues, but far more often it just works. Mm. You know, like you lo- you launch what you want to launch, and it launches with the right aspect ratio and all the controls are functional and that's not always a given uh with not 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 just on this on the asus one as well but just on windows handhelds it doesn't it doesn't feel like hardware makers have really like wrangled it to be a good like handheld os yet speaking Um, of wrangling could you tell it to me through beans (laughs) (laughs) nice seg thank you thanks (laughs) nice seg um ooh, 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 ooh. So I guess it's like if a if a cowboy is making a, a bean dish and he's using like a lot of high what should be like high quality ingredients to it. he's got really good beans, uh fresh t- fresh tomatoes. Mm. Um so he has like he has like all the good ingredients. Yeah. And very good hardware. Like, he has a very high-end wooden spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Really high-quality fire. (laughs) And his his campfire is immaculate. Like, it's a perfect little pyramid. um, Oh, nice. Of dry wood. Um, And yet, what comes out just... Like, it comes out of, like, a load of beans stuck together so it's just a bit difficult to eat and like some <laughs> <laughs> like the flavor the the flavor of the sauce is nice but it's like thicker in some places and thinner in others and it's just yeah technical problems 
yeah, yeah. Just, just despite like I, I, I want to stress like the hardware. The hardware is good. Um, it's way more like reliable than it was when I pl- tested it earlier in the year. Um, like the build quality is better. It feels really solid. Uh, the screen is really nice. Um, I thought it was like a bit mad, maybe putting like a quad HD screen on a handheld, but it does. You know, oh, so you've come you find... to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it it's not good. It's not good for the battery, if I'm honest. But when you find a game that actually looks that that can actually run well at that resolution on on the hardware, like it is, it is nice. It is nice. Um, High resolution I, I, on tiny little screens can actually be a lot of fun, can't it? Yeah, like I, I want to be like really hard nosed about it and be like, oh, you don't need this, and you probably don't, but it does look nice. <laughs> it's pleasant. It's, it's pleasant. It is, yeah, see, it, it feels like more expensive than it is. Like it's not cheap, but it, it feels like, yeah, you, you can't get a quad HD gaming laptop for seven hundred quid. Um, that is good. For yeah, it's, yeah. When you put yeah. it like that. Um, a lot, a lot of the like UI problems, I should say, are fixed or lessened if you use the mouse. Um, but then a lot of the time, even if there is a suitable flat surface available, which if you're using it as a portable device, there often isn't. Um, sometimes you you just want to use the handheld as a handheld and not have to bother with like disassembling it, like taking the controller off, extending the kickstand, setting it down, inserting. You have to. To use the controller as a mouse, you have to insert it into this little ring attachment, um, uh. which is like completely loose otherwise, and I imagine it's quite easy to misplace. Um, put it into that, switch it into like FPS mode, they call it, and then only then can you do like the little um, like UI button clicking that you that you initially wanted to do. And sometimes, like well, no, especially with a handheld, like you just want to pick it up, turn it on, and have it work. Yeah, it's saying that's meant to make your life more convenient, right? Yeah, like it is. It is, you know, it is. It, is you can see the appeal of consoles over like, over like PCs in in the, in handhelds in terms of like just getting something that you don't have to fiddle. You don't have to fiddle with it. You just turn it on and play something, and it's like guaranteed to work. Um, yeah, game straight from the tap. Yep. So yeah, hard hardware's fine. OS maybe isn't worth it. Um, unless you unless you just use Steam in big picture mode and nothing else, but then if that's the case, then why not just get a Steam Deck for like half the price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still still thinking about my what my my new computer is going to be. Um, what was the name of that little devil that you mentioned before? Oh, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head i'd have to go back to the old episode notes but yeah it was um the the, the mini pc yeah I'm, I'm i'm still thinking hard about a little devil yeah I, I definitely want to i, I want to get some in like in the new year um maybe do like a group test or something um and see if there's just any good actually also in hardware news intel um are just today announcing uh a new series of laptop chips which have like way better integrated graphics in it Ooh. so it'll be it'll be interesting as well to see if those kind of make it into like mini pcs um so what's like, new about these chips what's uh what, what's so the the integrated graphics are sort of kind of based on intel's arc like desktop graphics okay um i don't know like the particulars of how they're better but the benchmarks and again, these are like official benchmarks, so taken with a lot of salt. Um, the official benchmarks they've given us are that it is like much, much more powerful than the integrated graphics they've had on previous Intel chips. Like, and it should potentially, it could potentially be like more powerful than the chip that's in like the you know the Legion Go or this or this mini PC. Oh wow! Okay. Um, which was. Oh no, I thought it was in the episode notes for last week, but it apparently is not. Oh dear, that's embarrassing. Um, oh no, sorry, it is the... <coughs> sorry, Phoenix Edge Z1. There you go. Phoenix there we go. Edge Z1. Write that down. Um. <laughs> Write that down in your copybooks now. Excellent. So yeah, it'll be, it, it, is like, it is an interesting time in general for like low power, um, like small graphics. Where do you um, think that is? Do you, do you think there's any 
Is I honestly, it, is it just I honestly the think like more doable, or I honestly think like the success of the Steam Deck might have had a part in it because it shows that people are, you know, people don't just want to be like aiming for ultra 4K all the time. Like people can be happy with playing at like 1080p or lower on low settings if mm. just like the if like you know the form factor works for it. Um. And yeah, like I definitely, I'd like I don't I don't know this for a fact, but it would not surprise me at all if people at Intel looked at what AMD is doing with these, you know, these handheld chips and thought, well, either like either like let's get a piece of that, or well, we need to up our game on R by integrated graphics, because yeah, there there has been like a big jump in the last couple of years in terms of like performance. Yeah, think about all the time we spent talking about little machines. It seems. Uh... Well, it's a good time to be a small machine. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, I think that's it for hardware this week. So, Nate, do we have, uh, do you have a little two-player two two player minigame for us? Yeah, do you want to do a little bit of sweeten the deal for old time's sake? I don't think we've pulled this one out. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been, a while since, been a while since I've, you've last sweetened a deal for me. Okay, so um, in in theme with what we were talking about earlier, the this deal is you are um, okay. You're going to be sent away to an alien civilization who have been watching the game awards obsessively <laughs> for years, um, yeah. and they want a Jeff Keighley of their own. Um, so you will be. <laughs> transformed into a facsimile of Jeff Keighley oh, no. to present the Game Awards every night for the next century. Oh, no. Um, in, in an alien, the heart of an alien empire, okay? Like, so, Penn's, like Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, how... And after the century's up, you get to, you get to go back to Earth. Okay. Right? So how much would I have to pay you to do this? Big, big fucking money, Nate. One billion <laughs> pounds. <laughs> I d- okay, it's not century. Okay, I'm starting to sweeten my own deal already. Okay, I've started off with too harsh premise. Okay, it's it's for okay. one year. The game awards every night for a year. Every night for a year. Okay. Um, a million. One mil. One million of the king's pounds. Okay, to do the game nights every year. Okay, yeah, uh, every night for a year. Every night for a year. One million pounds. All right. So, um, for let's knock four hundred grand off that, and you'll get turned back into James afterwards. Oh, was I not being turned into? Was I not being turned back into me afterwards? Oh, so you—that wasn't gonna in per- the contract. You're going to permanently turn me into Jeff Keighley. Well, yeah, oh, unless you Christ. want to make a small payment of four hundred thousand pounds. Well, I—I oh. <laughs> mean, that's—I basically that would mean I'm basically just getting like six hundred thousand for what I initially thought would be a, a one mil yeah, job. So I'm afraid to say that's I correct. Think, <laughs> I think you have to sweet. I think you have to sweeten that a bit. Okay. Okay. Two hundred thousand. Okay, so eight eight hundred thousand yeah. is my pre-tax. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess that's still like a significant upgrade on my current uh, annual income. So. Yeah, and it's going to cost yeah. way more than two hundred thousand pounds to you know, unjeff yourself. So this is a saving <laughs> in a way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. All right. Good. Um, you. For another hundred thousand off, um, you get to hang out with someone back on Earth via like a teleportation scheme uh, for one hour before the start of each Game Awards. Also, oh, one hour every day. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. That's not. Hmm. I think that sounds pretty good. That could. That would significantly. Im- improve my mental state i think yeah i think i would i would say it'd be vital literally literally come back down to earth uh yeah 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Lovely. 700 uh, 700 grand now you've been paid. Um, All right. 600 grand. But every game you announce is literally incredible. Like, it's the... But every successive game you announce is better than the one before and seems more perfectly suited to your interests. Oh, Matt, but... So you'd be really... You wouldn't have to fake the passion. Yeah, but are these, like... If if I'm just doing this for the benefit of some strange aliens and I'm not even the real Jeff Keighley... No. Like, are these, re- are these real games? Totally real games they- being made so by the aliens... Will, will I be able to play them back on Earth? For another hundred grand, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 oh, oh. I don't think I don't think any game is worth essentially losing two hundred grand. But look at what you'd be doing, James. You'd be flooding Earth's culture with fantastic video games made by these like ultra-principled, game-obsessed alien beasts. Oh. Oh. I do like improving society. Uh, But then what about all the developers put out of work, James? (laughs) (laughs) What about the protests, the horrific, bigoted protests against the aliens by formerly sweet-hearted game developers? (laughs) The war, James! (laughs) The games wars! I, I, <laughs> I feel like you're making, you're making points that I should be making, but, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, but I'm, just bl- I'm just blinded by the prospect of Titanfall 3. <laughs> <laughs> in the first, uh, first instance in Sweeten the Deal history, I'll be begging you not to take the deal. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, I, I guess if we... If we, if we yeah, if we're thinking of it in like a free economics way, um, the the opportunity cost of me of me like benefiting from all these like amazing games coming out is that the much less money is produced through the you from like the earth based games industry. Yes. Um. So yeah, the negative externalities I think outweigh the positive ones in this case. So I don't think I can accept those terms. Do you know that's a convincing win, James? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I've run out of time as well to sweeten the deal much further. Oh, wow. This... <laughs> so the aliens oh. are going to have to walk away from this one. Yeah, they'll just have to watch regular-ass Jeff Keighley <laughs> in his, his big shoes. Oh, but now I'm thinking, what if the, ali- like, what if the aliens are, are good? What if they deserve the game's money? Oh, do you know what? Let us absolutely slam the lid on this Pandora's box nothing, before it opens any further. If these guys are so amazing at making games, there's nothing stopping them from just making the games and then well, pay, no, could, and then paying Jeff Keighley to advertise them during Summer Game Fest. No, no, you don't understand. Like that's the fulcrum of their religion. Like there's no point making the games if Jeff doesn't then hype them. Like you, you would be the act of transubstantiation through which. Games become wine to them. You know? <laughs> I, I, I think we could. I think we could just save everyone a lot of effort and just ship off the real Jeff Keighley. He, he'd love. He'd love to be in a society where he is treated as a god. Yes. Oh he'd my. be like, finally, he he could clone clone his own Hideo Kojima to be best mates with. No, it'd be called Hideous Kojima, and it'd be like a giant octopus man. (laughs) And it'd be his best mate in the Aliens, and it'd be very good. Well, glad I'm not being paid to write that story. Yeah. (laughs) Glad I'm not being paid to go and impersonate Jeff Keighley for a year. In space. In space. Uh, Should we do some some recommendations, mate? That's a lovely idea. Yeah, so every every episode we recommend some things which are not PC games. Uh, I'm specifying PC games because I would kind of like to recommend a board game. I yeah. don't. I think that's within the rules. Is that okay? Well, I was um, going to recommend one as well, so we're damned together. Oh shoot! Okay, you go first. Uh, it's uh, the Deep Rock Galactic board game. No, 
No, I was going to recommend the Deep Rock Galactic. My boy, seriously. Oh, wow, no way. Oh, amazing. Everyone better fucking play it then. Yeah, I I played it for the first time at the weekend. Me too. No way. (laughs) Were we playing against each other? It's great, isn't it? It is. It's really good fun. So I'm I'm not a board game person. So apologies to anyone listening who is, because I'm probably going to talk about it in what seems like babyish terms. Um, as if I've just discovered cards and dice, but <laughs> yeah, like it. A, a big part of why I like it, despite being, I was initially overwhelmed by all the cards and the rules and the tokens and the board design. Um, a big part of why I like it is because it's fully cooperative. Yes. So as long as one person knows what they're doing, they have no reason to fuck you over. Yeah. And you can still like you can still enjoy it, and the only like potential negative outcomes come from. Like the you know the regular rolling of the dice, it's really good for um, playing with people who really know it as well um, because of that cooperative aspect. Because they can just fill you in on all yeah, the useful yeah. little tricks and stuff, and there's not that awkward thing where someone's trying to teach you a game and also play you at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I that I mean that's exactly what I had. Um, but even then, like it's it's still like fairly quick to pick up. I think like I. We only had time for two games, but by the end of the second game, like I was definitely able to like suggest things and do things that my more experienced uh, friend like hadn't thought of. So yeah, like it is it? It looks overwhelming at first, but it is actually quite easy to learn quickly. Oh, and it's really good as well because it's all like it's very well adapted from the PC game. So you don't need a lot of things explained to you. You know, uh, if you if you played the the game yeah oh yeah if you yeah, yeah. if you haven't definitely <laughs> do um but yeah did you um i don't know how deluxe the version you were playing was the one i was playing had been um a, like a kickstarter award tier where it had loads and loads of like actually quite good miniatures and little bits yeah of yeah yeah that's what yeah, that's what i played as well yeah, yeah it's great great stuff and we, yeah we finished i think in about 45 minutes which considering my big prop i, I do quite like board games i've certainly played a lot of them in my time but um my adhd and the complexity of the games i like don't tend to go together very well and i get very bored but this um yeah we absolutely shot through it and i think if we would had a bit more time we'd considered the campaign as well yeah there's um I, I I I got the impression there are like different difficulties of missions you can take and we just did like the first two easiest ones Mm. um and yeah, we did like the first one in about maybe like an hour and a half, but then they you know, they had to explain everything to my stupid ass. Um, and then the second game was more like yeah, an hour. So yeah, it's good stuff. Deep Rock Galactic, yeah, good. Darkness, Danger Dwarves, and the game is also very good as well. Yeah. But that's break. But that's breaking the rules of the recommendation <laughs> section. Oh wow, has there ever has there ever been a, a dual? A dual recommendation. On your, no, that is a first. Wallet show. That oh, is there a first. You go. So I'm We're afraid just... it's now law that everyone has to buy that book. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so in, we just so in tune, Nate. That's um, it. Powerful. <laughs> right. So I believe that just wraps up episode 42 of season two of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast. Um, you can find us on rockpapershotgun.com. We're also on basically all the social medias these days, including TikTok and Blue Sky. Uh, just search for Paper Shotgun. We also have a Discord, a uh, very lovely Discord for chatting with fellow listeners um, about the podcast, the site, and games in general. Uh, link to that will be in the show notes. Um, I believe we'll be back next week for the final episode of the year. The oh my god! Yeah, the magical Christmas episode. The big um, one. Yeah, the big one. Hopefully, hopefully with all three of us. Uh, so hopefully we'll also see you then beloved listener and uh it is goodbye from me and goodbye from nate bye bye